Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is our 7th Heaven Podcast. Yeah, today we are going to be talking about Season 4, Episode 20 of 7th Heaven. The title is Liar Liar, uh, or in Germany it is called Nothing is the Truth. Uh, Our IMDb user synopsis is, Eric is very proud when newspaper reporter Sam Robbins offers to cover his reverend's family. Despite warnings from the kids, the parents force all to collaborate, and but they end up betraying all the dirty laundry they warned their siblings not to betray. Matt, meanwhile, thinks that new orderly Elizabeth admires him, but in fact she only spreads malicious lies. This was a doozy. Wow, so what was your first... I guess that was your first impression. Um, so Aaron has been promising me ridiculousness as, like, a means for why I should have signed on to do this in the first place. Me, you were very excited, I'm too. still very excited. But, Especially I mean, after Lance Bass. <laughs> oh, my God. Guys, remember when Lance Bass liked one of our Instagram posts? Um, so I haven't, to be honest, like, I don't quite remember, like, them be, there being any, like, episodes that are at this level. <laughs> but... This reached it. And We're starting I, to turn the corner uh, where they've kind of run out of ideas for, for like, plots. It's absurd. Um, also, in other news, I had a physical, like, reaction to... The, Elizabeth. The, and Chrissy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ruthie's story, yeah. Yeah. Rat fake is what rat, she was called. The rat fake. The rat fake. Um, yeah. Okay. I don't like people that are, like, malicious and are go behind other people's backs and are liars. I mean, and it was, like, for no reason, like... Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. It just was... So we're going to do something a little different. I know we usually do storyline by storyline or sometimes scene by scene, but... Um, Everything was all kind of... This was a special episode, <laughs> so we're going to give it some special treatment. Um, we'll start with the cold open, as we always do, though. Yeah, so first we um, are at Ruthie's school, and she is in um, library class with her teacher, Mrs. Beasley, who I think we've seen before, but yes. I'm not sure. Um, and we find out that there is their, their library class is having a story contest, and the winner with the most creative story will get a $5 prize. And after class is over, um, Ruthie is talking to her friend Chrissy, who is like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Do you know what you're going to do? Um, I don't really have, like, a good imagination, so whatever. <laughs> and um, Ruthie's like, well, yeah, and she she basically says, I don't want to use my own imagination. I'd rather just steal yours. Yes. Uh, which is... The foreshadowing. Of what she actually does. Um, so... Then we go to the church where the Rev gets a phone call, and it's very exciting news because as soon as he hangs up, he, like, looks up at God and goes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and that is the cold open. So who knows what he's thanking God for? I guess we'll find out now. <laughs> uh, he co- Next week. <laughs> this is a two-part Camden cast episode. This was it. No, stay around. We're still here. Um, he comes home and he gets, he's so excited. He gets his jacket caught, his like. In the door, when he, he closes the door on his jacket, and then instead of opening the door again, he takes his jacket off and starts pulling at it. And luckily, um, Annie comes to the rescue and just opens the door and gets the jacket unstuck. 
So apparently good news makes the Rev stupid. Um, He's just so elated. So we find out that, uh, as our user summary told us, uh, Sam Robbins has decided to choose the Camden family as the family that gets highlighted in family life in the newspaper. And so it's like an uh, like inside look about the Camdens and how they're like a normal family. And apparently the publicity will get more people to come to their church. Um, this immediately is taken horribly by all the Camden children. They are all convinced it's a bad idea. Um, and they don't want to be a part of it. Um, but any kind of... Well, they all go up to their rooms, and then they're running back and forth between each other's rooms um, because they're... Sit, like, Simon is telling everyone, oh, and don't tell them that I got suspended from school for giving the finger, and then Mary's like, okay, as long as you don't tell anyone that I got arrested and that I met Robbie at community service, and Lucy is like, don't tell anyone about all my boyfriends, and then Ruthie is like, don't tell anyone that I cut Sarah's hair and that I drew a naked man, which I think we missed, if that was a... Um, so she didn't do, like, it was an on-screen. Yeah, I was like, I don't remember that episode. Um, Um, she also said not to tell anybody that she gave eggs to the twins. twins. Um, so, it's like this, it's supposed to be this funny sequence. Most, actually, this entire episode uses a different technique than it's ever used before. Um, I'm sure you all are familiar with PowerPoint and how in, like, a lot of PowerPoint presentations you can transition using, like, different transitions or, like, different transition effects. So they were using the swipe effect with this, like... Okay, I'm trying... I can't, I can't remember what the instrument... Like, a percussion instrument where like, all those little things are lined up. Like a... Like a marimba or a... No, that's a xylophone. No, no, it's one of the, when you just, like... Oh, yeah, the, When you just that? drag your fingers, fingers across yeah, and yeah. there's, like... All the different tones made because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what it was. That like, was like the inch- chime. It's a, like yeah, like yeah, like yeah. kind of like, like a chime. A wind like chime. it's like a wind chime yeah, thing. But it's an actual instrument. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Um, so that's what it sounds like every time. So every time it goes from child to child, it swipes, yeah, like, and it does that throughout that wasn't the episode. The noise. Um, yeah, every time because it's constantly cutting between family members because, like we said, they've all got. It's called like a. Chi- it's called a chime. Hmm. I just, I had to know. Um, oh, so Mark Tree. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. It, um, I actually think that this specific scene sequence is done quite well um, for, like, you know, primetime comedy. It's not as bad. The last time they did, the last time they did something like this, well, this is a primetime drama, but that's what I, the well, last time they did something like this, it was when the Hamiltons, when they all went to the movies and they were, like, all of the kids were separated by age, so, like, Lynn and Ruthie were, like, it's just like, oh, well, Keisha and Lucy were making out, and we were just trying to, and, and Simon Keisha and Nigel. Keisha and Lucy were not making out with each other. <laughs> That's not what happened. <laughs> I know, but, and then they're like, oh, and then Simon and Nigel were throwing popcorn at people, and then, like, kept switching. That was the last time I remember that we, like, talked about kind of the way they chose to do transitions and stuff, because they kept, like, dropping. Like the like, black and, yeah. like, raising it up again. Yeah. Uh, but this time it actually, I think it worked. Um, it lent itself to the absurdity of the episode. Um, so once that whole thing is done, um, Annie also calls in, calls, like, Matt to make sure that Matt knows that, the, like, this is happening as well. Um, Matt's like, I don't really want to do this, but he also has to give in. Um, well, first Matt calls the house... To talk to Annie. Annie. Be, and he asks um, how to get blood a blood stain out of a shirt. 
Um, and Annie immediately thinks he's been shot. Um, She's very la- like laissez about it. Yeah. Laissez. Uh, but it's because so- someone, now that he's like an orderly, he's like, I don't know, do- drawing blood, and I don't know exactly. No, the orderlies don't do that. But whatever. Someone took their band aid off before they had stopped bleeding, and he was like, going to help this older woman get a blood stain out of her shirt. Um, and wh- while he's like, he repeats back to Annie what she says, which is cold water and soap. And Elizabeth... The orderly. The order... The... The most horrible human being on the entire planet. He overhears him. She's, like, creeping up behind him. And then she goes out... Before Matt can hang up the phone, she goes over to this patient with the soap and the cold water. And she's like, all, that, all you need is a little bit of soap and cold water. And Matt turns around and he's like, yeah, that's what, just what my mom said. Um, so anyway, we'll get back to that. Um, actually, we can, I talk, mean, we can, we yeah. can talk about that now. So um, what we learn very quickly is that Elizabeth is trying to sabotage Matt because um, she, like, volunteers to take the elderly patient to... Her uh, car? Yeah. And we learn that sh- this woman is a member of the hospital board. Yeah. So, and Elizabeth, this orderly, is like, oh, that Matt Camden, he's so... Ner- he, no, she says he's so nice, but, like, I think he's been working too much because he's been snapping a lot lately and, like, I don't know. He's, like, really lashing erratic. out at people. Yeah, he's, like, very, like, behaves, behaving erratically. And this woman is just like, oh. Because, oh, first the, the first that the older woman says, uh, oh, he's so nice and yeah. everything. And she's like, I don't, Elizabeth is like, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> and she continues her sabotage by later on. And the thing is, we realize that she is horrible at her job. Well, the, I, I also just don't know, like, what her motivation be, would be to ruin him. I guess just to keep the heat off of herself, because she keeps screwing up and then blaming it on Matt. Like, so then she, she gets, like, a brake on a wheelchair is stuck, so she asks him to help her, and then he fixes it, and he offers to, like, go pick up the patient she has to go get. And, no, he offers to get uh, a new wheelchair, because oh. it's not safe to use the broken wheelchair. And so he runs off, and she's in trouble because she's not picking up the patient she should be. And she says, oh, actually, it was Matt's job, and but I told him to stop because I found out that the brake wasn't working, and he shouldn't be using a faulty <laughs> yeah. wheelchair. Um, and the doctor's like, oh, good work, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And she's like, actually, I think I want to talk to you about Matt. Yeah, I think he's, like, been working too many hours. He's, I don't know, acting erratic. She tells yeah. everyone the same story, that Matt's just like, out of control. Um, so, so she's telling this to uh, Dr. Sharon Peacock. Uh, Dr. Sharon Peacock has never been on the show before, but apparently is now Matt's supervisor. I don't think she actually has an, is on another episode of Seventh Heaven, but you will recognize her as uh, Joe Marie Payton, who played Harriet uh, Winslow in Family Matters for like the entire time Family Matters was on. She's the wife, uh, except in the last season of Family Matters, they recast her. Mama. But she's also Sugar Mama, the voice of Sugar Mama from Pr- the Proud Family. And she was also um, Mrs. Campbell in the show Moesha. So there we go. Yeah. Um, you may know her from. The uh, Dr. Peacock, like, hears all of Elizabeth's complaints and decides that her best course of action is to talk to Annie. Um, we later learn that this is because if she talks to Matt, she has to, like, make a note in his employee file, and she doesn't want to do that yet. So she... So then Annie stops by the hospital later on in the day um, just to check up on Matt, and she's like, 
and I think Matt intentionally is supposed to look. Sometimes Barry Watson's hair looks like really, really greasy, but like in this scene in particular, it looks like he hasn't showered in days. So I think it's just supposed to give him kind of this like haggard look, um, and like he's not getting enough sleep or anything. And Annie's just checking in, like, "Are you sure? Like, you have school and you have, you know, uh, you work, work full time, you go to school, school full time." And she's like, "And also, um, if you." I don't know, because Matt's like, oh, later, like, he says, later on, after I leave work, I have to go to class, and then the interviewer for the newspaper is coming over later, and Annie's like, okay, are you sure you have time to meet with the guy from the newspaper, because I don't want you to be, like, overworked, and Matt's just like, no, I love work, um, I'm finally happy in a job, because as we know, um, he's, like, never, in the beginning of the series, he never could keep a job, so, um, that's going on, and then... Annie leaves, and as soon as she leaves, John comes... Well, Elizabeth comes in first. yeah. And so he's kind of like... Because he doesn't understand why his mom is acting so weird. Because she's being very... Like, she's being cagey. And she, like, first lies about why she's there in the first place. She's like, oh, I'm here to see Hank about Julie giving her something. She's like, I have to give Hank a package to give to Julie or something. And Matt's like, what's the package? And she's like, uh... And so I think... Like, we're supposed to get that um, Matt is looking dazed because he doesn't understand what just happened with his mom. And so Elizabeth's talking to another orderly, and he's like, oh, look at that. He's like a zombie. And, and she's like, it's better than his other personality, though. Um, and this is when John comes in. Um, and, and he's like, I just, yeah, he's like, I just saw your mom, and she asked me to keep an eye on you. Like, what's up? Um, and Matt's like, I don't know. And John takes... Like, you don't see some money out of his pocket, and he's like, oh, and she told me to give you this. And they do, like, a pretty slick handshake to exchange the money. And then Elizabeth is like, well, that makes sense. He's obviously on drugs. And this is racism, because she clearly says it because John is Matt's black friend. At least that's what I'm reading reading it, reading it as, because... Um, Elizabeth is the worst. I know yeah. that I've always said that Lucy is the worst, but I hate Elizabeth. Um, yes. <laughs> um, I want to take a moment here before we continue just to, like, talk very quickly about, or, like, set up John's storyline because it comes into play for Matt later. Yeah. Um, so there is a local election happening, and there is one of the candidates is a man named George Orfield, who is a white man who, in all of his speeches to try to get the uh, black vote, is misquoting Harriet Tubman. And then, and then later on, um, Martin Luther King Jr. So. Yes. Um, so John's entire storyline is him uh, trying to like have a word with the candidate to tell him that what he's doing is wrong, and that he shouldn't be like misquoting or misusing or misappropriating uh, like language like that. Um, which kind of like I don't know. I think the story. I don't know what the point of the story was because. When we get to the end of it, it doesn't... Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. What's the but, lesson? Yeah, I don't know. Um, um, and then I guess we can take a minute, too, to say, go back to Ruthie yeah, yeah. at school, because she's at school, and um, her friend Chrissy is like, okay, it's the day of the story contest, and Chrissy is like, oh, what do you think your story's going to be? So um, Ruthie tells the story of Aunt Julie, and I just, like, I don't know, I thought it was supposed to be a creative story... Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be something... I think, like, in the beginning, in the cold open, we get that, oh, the story is made up, so use your imagination and make a story up or something. I thought that's what it was about, but apparently 
Right, because Ruthie just, like, tells pretty much verbatim, like, oh, and Julie used to drink too much, and then she hurt my brother, and then she got better, and now she's married to a doctor, and they have a baby, um, whose name is Eric for my dad and uh for my mom. Erica. Um, apparently, like, she also says that the Rev is the one that helped her get better because he uh, is a reverend and he helps people. So, as you might anticipate... They, well, the, we see, like, one kid finishing up their story, and then the teacher says, who wants to go next? And both Ruthie and Chrissy raise their hands, and Chrissy gets chosen, and she immediately, she's still like, oh, this is a story about my Aunt Judy, who was a drunk, and then she tried to hurt, like, she hurt, one day she hurt my brother, and, like, Ruthie's immediately like, you don't even have a brother. Um, and, and apparently uh, Aunt Judy was helped by her father who is a doctor and is now married to a lawyer and has twins <laughs> so she took a little bit from all of the camden's lives um and ruthie is pissed. the teacher and the teacher is like doesn't even want to listen to ruthie um so we find out later on that chrissy won the five dollar prize which was like and apparently well annie gets a phone call from the school because ruthie tried to get the money from chrissy because it was rightfully hers no she said it to give it back to the library because oh. she took it like she cheated and she won yeah which i like had to commend ruthie about like yeah it's, she's not taking it for herself she's taking it for like she wants to give it back to the library okay yeah well i'm paying attention so uh. um this is we'll 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 get back to the ending of Matt's storyline as well as the ending of Ruthie's storyline in a moment. But let's go to yes, because while this is go while this is going on, the reporter is comes in. So Sam Robbins is played by Sam Rubin, who uh, is actually a famous reporter for KTLA, which is the WB's like network in LA. Yeah. Um, so he is like a favorite, a famous entertainment reporter. I don't live in the West, on the West Coast, so I wouldn't, didn't recognize him. He's not famous here. Um, so... I have no idea who he is, yeah. So then we get another sequence of, like, the transitioning with the, like, chime playing. And if you're not watching along with us and want to know what this amazing sound is, I think Aaron has pulled it up for us. Yeah, something like that. That was a little too much. Kind of sounds like a unicorn is being born. <laughs> um, so in this sequence, all of the things that were promised not to be spoken about are spoken about. That was very eloquent. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't say, like, it's not um, clear how it comes up, though, but I think what we gather is, because I think the last one is Ruthie, and she asks... The reporter, did all of the other kids tell you about the time X? I spent yeah, the, the time I did what, whatever. Um, so I think that's what we're supposed to gather. So first we see Mary. Mary telling them about, and she's like, oh yeah, and then I was arrested, but my dad had some connections, so I didn't have to go to jail. Um, and then I met Robbie, and then she puts a basketball under her shirt for some reason, and there's also a photographer there who happens to snap a pic when she's looking pregnant. Um, she says, so, um, she also says, like, and I knew he was no good for me. Like, it's basically uh, like a therapy session for every child. Um, and then it goes to Lucy. Oh, and she might, I can't remember, did she tell them about the motel? I think she might. 
Uh, no, she doesn't in... Oh. She do, maybe she does it, like, off-screen, but she doesn't in this scene. Yeah. Um, then we have Lucy, who says... She's like, and then I had this... Bo-. She's just she listing like, all of her boyfriends. And then she's like, and then there was uh, Andrew again, but that wasn't really a date, because he, like, weaseled in on my date with Brad. <laughs> and so the reporter's is like, and what does your father have to say about all these boys? <sighs> she's like, oh, I mean, I guess he doesn't really trust... Uh, like, she's like, he doesn't trust anyone, is what she ends yeah. up saying. And, and so, then she, like, drops... No, he drops a pen. And so she goes to pick it up, but the angle in which she goes and picks it up, it's a very, like, revealing shot of her cleavage, and that is the picture that is taken by the photographer. Uh, Photographer? Photographer? My bad. The the next child is Simon, who um, is talking about how he got in trouble, like, he got suspended for throwing up the middle fingers, and he's he, he's like, oh, but my dad said it's fine because like all guys do it. So and then he and then he's like, oh, and then I got caught smoking. Um, but that's natural for a kid my age, too. And he picks up a pencil and he puts it in his mouth. And this is the shot for him that he acts like he's like smoking the pencil. Um, except it's just like putting the pencil in his mouth like as he's thinking because then he takes it out. And he's like, oh, and, and like continues talking. And then it goes to Ruthie, who says how she drew a naked man, gave the twins eggs and um then she talks how she's now like recently in trouble because of the story about aunt julie uh and she tells the reporter the whole story about how um his she was like well she tells the story about like aunt judy and then she's like but chrissy doesn't even have an aunt judy and he's like but you have an aunt julie and she's like oh yeah and she was a drunk and and so then tells the story and says but my dad helped her by being in a room with her alone for like yeah and that sobered her up like in the locked in the bedroom for like however many hours it just it didn't sound right well Um, yeah and they cut to him and he makes a face like oh um and the picture that they take of ruthie it's like not at we don't like realize it right away but she's kind of just standing up um, and she's like posing, but when we see the picture turn out, it like she's wearing her her usual like long skirt with the double slit, and so like the <laughs> she's got the slit like, like hiked wide, up, yeah, hiked up, or like the way that she's standing, it's just probably naturally like that. So it looks like she's like a scandalous child <laughs> sticking her leg out. Anyway, these pictures are really bad. Like like they shouldn't. Why did this happen? Uh yeah. I mean, you'll see them, I'm sure. So then we'll go back to Matt. We'll go to Matt's interaction with the reporter now because we're kind of done with all of the, most of the hospital scenes. So when Matt comes home from work, he is kind of going crazy trying to clean up the apartment. Um, and he asks John to help him because the reporter is coming and they're going to be taking pictures. But John is like on his way out to, I don't, he like recorded a tape of George Orfield at the hospital. No, um, I think what what was happening here was, he didn't want to stay there because he didn't want to be a part of whatever the interview was. And he said, oh, I know what I'll do because I don't want to, like, deal with this. I will go and see if I can fix the tape that is stuck in the VC on the oh. TV. Because, and then when he, like, fixes it, that's when the TV starts working. And that's, like, a live or, like, oh, a stream. Okay. Like, you know, like, the it's news like is reporting. like a news con. Yeah. Or, like, just, they're just playing it back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, so John leaves and, like, as John is on his way out... The reporter comes, and the apartment is still a huge mess, so the, they immediately take a photo of Matt standing in front of the filthy apartment. Um, so we don't realize what Matt tells the Rev until later on in the episode, so we'll get to that later. But to continue... Tells the reporter. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. Uh, but we'll get to that in a bit. I just want to say what happened. Like, again, we'll 
talk about John. John's at the hospital, fixes the VCR, takes the cassette out, turns the TV on, and now George Orfield is quoting uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech of I Have a Dream. In the background, sneaky bitch, um, Elizabeth, the orderly, is there, and uh, she watches as John loses his temper. And he throws the tape that he just took out of the VCR at the TV, and he's screaming at the TV. And then I don't think like we're supposed to get the idea that she called the security guard on him because like the security guard is there like instantly but we find out later on that John gets fired for his behavior and also um, because they think he's on drugs yes which we, Elizabeth would have told them so um so back to now um Ruthie the way that this happens the like eventually the Rev and Andy find out about everybody what everybody actually said to the reporters uh, they're talking about how the reporters seems to have only spent, like, five minutes with Annie and five minutes with the Rev, but, like, an inordinate amount of time with all the children. And Annie then, like, tells um, the Rev about the phone call from Dr. Peacock, but also about what happened... uh, But then Mrs. Beasley calls. Yes. And tells Annie about what happened with Chrissy. So they call Ruthie downstairs, and Ruthie explains, uh, oh, this is what was happening, like, this is what I was trying to do, and then... But it's okay, I don't need to talk about it anymore because I already told Sam about all about Aunt Julie. <sighs> and then they're like, what did you say exactly? She's like, oh yeah, that she was a drunk, that you helped her, and blah, blah, blah. And, and then, like, one by one, we get our little... Um, sequence again with the transition and the unicorns being born. Um, and all of the kids tell the Camerons about all of the terrible things that they told this reporter. And all of them inadvertently also make the Reverend look bad. I mean, obviously, for obvious reasons, but also because it says that the Rev, like, used his connections to get Mary out of trouble. He basically told Simon that, like, giving the middle finger is okay. Um, it's like he he doesn't like anyone that Lucy, like, he doesn't like anyone that Lucy brings home. And and then... So the Rev, uh, the Rev is like, he goes to see Matt, and he's like, look at what happened. Look at what the kids did. And, the, and Matt's like, oh, I didn't say anything, though. And Matt's like, uh, I was like, wait, wait a second. What did you talk about? He's like, oh, you know, just about, like, how I can be a man now that I'm out of the house and how I entertain lots of women at my new apartment. Um, and the Rev immediately, we're back to Shauna for some reason. Yeah. She, her name wasn't mentioned the whole time. And the Rev is like, oh, does Shauna have access to any female friends here in Glen Oak that might send her this article? Um, but Matt is unfazed. And or that might have been Matt's, like, plan all along. Perhaps, yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess that might have been what he was getting at. Um, but in the middle of this conversation, John comes in, explains that he's been fired because they think he's a drug dealer. And Matt's like, well, why? I don't understand. Well, he also says, like, oh, and Matt, they think you're on drugs, too. And they're both like, why would anyone think that we're on drugs? Um, And then the Rev comes clean about Annie having talked to Dr. Peacock. And then he's like, oh, the only, like, there's this one orderly that, like, follows me around because she worships me. (sighs) And the Rev is like, not saying that you're not worshipable, but are we sure that's the case here? And suddenly... Matt realizes that Elizabeth, the orderly, might not have... The, the best intentions. So, so, yeah. We catch up with him, finally, when he's meeting with Dr. Peacock. And she's basically... She's like, what is this about uh, you and, like giving money to a gentleman and it was a drug <laughs> deal? 
He's like, no, that's my friend John, John Hamilton, who also works here. Well, and then she says, like, no, he doesn't anymore because he was, like, freaking out at the TV. And then Matt explains that he was freaking out because of George Orfield being terrible. Um, And the doctor's like, oh, well, that's reasonable. I'm going to rehire him. And uh, she's like, he's like, oh, wait, don't call yet because he's going to go. He's going down to George Orfield's office now. I'm just going to say very quickly about this. So John goes to John uh, to George Orfield's office, runs into two, George Orfield, and then like his, some like, other his like campaign manager the, or whatever. And they think that this guy, like that John, is like a speechwriter. He's <laughs> like, I don't want to write a speech. I want to give a speech to you. And they're like, we already have a speechwriter, um, and and it's a black woman, so you don't have to worry because like. We, we've we got it covered, um, and then he's like, oh, is your speechwriter... Wait, he says something about Harriet Tubman, and then George Orfield is like, oh, Harriet Tubman, is that the name of our speechwriter? And it's and then he just walks away, and he's like, I'm a strange, like, stranger in a strange land. And what was the... I don't understand what the point is. Was the point like, oh, it's okay for George to say what he's saying because the speechwriter is a black woman, or... This is supposed to be some sort of comedy about... I don't understand what we're supposed to get out of this. Do you know? I, I No, I have no idea. I, I thought that maybe... Like, at the end, it would be, like, we'd get a nice thing. Like, we'd like I guess he's like, well, I can't do... Like, it's, it's you know, a black woman who is writing these speeches, and this guy doesn't even know what they're doing. So he's like, I guess he's not at the, not at the source, like, so he can't do anything. I don't know. He should have asked to speak to her then and tell her that what she's doing is wrong. Or, Uh, like, if if they are going to use, like, quotes like that, that the man should understand what he's saying. I don't, like, I don't understand why they put this in. Right, it's still bad because he has no idea what he's... It's it's worse. Yeah, like, if they, like, didn't have him going to speak to George Orfield, it would have worked just fine, just having him angry at what George is saying, because then they could have gotten the television, like, the... VCR like scene and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't get it. We yeah, we have no idea. Um, back at the meeting with Matt and Doctor Peacock, um, he like explains. He's like, I don't understand why somebody's saying these things about me, but this is again, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I really enjoy this like work. I like I'm dedicated to doing this. And he's like, she's like, okay, you're. Uh, well, do you want me to find out why this person is talking about you like this? And he's like, no, you know what? I'm just going to keep on working my best and doing, like, what I do. And I'm just going to, like, I'm not going to confront her about it. Yeah. So he's taking the higher uh, road. And then, weirdly, Dr. Peacock calls the elderly woman who was on the hospital board from the beginning of this episode and says, you were right. It's that, like, that Matt Camden is one of the nicest people. So apparently the elderly woman saw through Elizabeth's, conniving plans <laughs> who knows what the what she was trying to get from this other than to make it like hide the, hide her own incompetence i guess that was her whole what she was trying to gain from uh, i don't being terrible and then elizabeth like drops a bunch of things so matt comes to like help her and takes the high road and then she's like can you do this while i go get cigarettes for this doctor and then she runs <laughs> off and i mean it basically looks like she's just always trying to get out of work. That's right. it. She's always just yeah. trying to get Matt to do her work and then being, yeah. So there's no comeuppance for the horrible human that is Elizabeth. I'm sure there will be, but... Maybe not. Maybe I'll write a fanfic about that, because it doesn't seem like it's going to happen on on 7th Heaven. You are 100% right about that. 
Um, so Ruthie's storyline ends with her confronting Chrissy in the schoolyard and being like, what you did was wrong. She's like, he's, she's like, I was compelled to do it. You saw how Mrs. Beasley was looking at me. And Chrissy says, uh, no, Ruthie's like, I saw you raise your hand and volunteer. And so Ruthie also has a really good speech where she's like, I know you're not a bad person, but you did a bad thing, and you can come and apologize to me in the library so Mrs. Beasley hears you, but until you apologize, I don't think we can be friends. Yeah. And so we don't know if she does actually apologize. I don't think Chrissy comes back, so maybe she doesn't. I don't think we ever will. But then the big finale! (laughs) Well, first, a man comes to see, well, the the reporter, Sam Robbins or whatever, comes to see the Rev, and he's like... I don't think you want... The, he shows him the copy, and they're looking through the horrible pictures, and he's like, I don't think you want this published. And the Rev is like, thank you for bringing this to me. I don't want it published. So this is the day... I guess this is Saturday. Then Sunday morning, we're in church, and everybody is whispering about the Camdens, and you just gather that it's been published, but then Sam walks... As church is starting, and the Rev is taking his place on the altar, Sam walks in the back, and he just holds up the newspaper, and he, like, mouths, I'm sorry, to the Rev... Um, we find out that he tried to make them stop, like, publishing it, but he couldn't because it was just so juicy. <laughs> and so... The, the rev- re- Yeah, the Rev gives a sermon on the spot about, this is my family, and they're imperfect, and doesn't everybody want to hear about the perfect minister's family? And, like, I think this is laughable because... This show, it does portray, like, such a kind of, like, squeak... Like, the things that they've done wrong are so, like, mild compared to how bad they could be. None of them are drug addicts. None of them have had sex before marriage. None of them... Yet. Yet, (laughs) right. None of them are, like, alcoholics. None of them are serious criminals of any kind. uh, Past, like, Simon trying cigarettes, Simon and Ruthie trying cigarettes once, like... And as the, far as we and the know. vandalism, but that wasn't just like Mary out of the blue. She clearly did it as a yeah. part of a group. Um, and okay, so Lucy's a serial dater. Like, okay, yeah. Um, I don't know what you want from me. So, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, you don't have to say anything else about this. Um, uh, but he talks about unconditional love. Yeah, though. he's like, oh. You know, this is my family, and it's real and unconditional love. And <laughs> what she, he says. Well, like, unconditional love is where it's at because you can, like, love... It's because you love us for our imperfections and our, like, our flaws and not our flaws, right? And I'm like, why is this happening? So... But it all gets better because... because then the Rev is like, oh... Well, Ruthie is like, it's a really short sermon. We're supposed to gather that, like, church is over, um, which... Okay. Um, and the Rev is like, and I'm really excited that everyone's here today because I have a special surprise in the choir today. One of my favorite singers. Sandy Patty. Now. <laughs> this was what you, you... This is where you lost it. <laughs> okay. I, my apologies to our listeners who are Sandy Patty fans. I had absolutely no idea who she was neither did i and like the entire crowd in the church like, all these children run up onto the altar to stand near sandy patty and then like everybody else is like stands up and like moves towards the front of the church like everybody's like moshing to sandy patty who was a famous <laughs> uh christian um gospel singer, singer? uh she's like 
she's huge. She like sang the national anthem at. Uh, she like is in Macy's Day Parade. She um, it's the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Right. Macy's Day. I don't. <laughs> why did I say that? People always say that, and it makes no sense. I don't know why I said that. Um, I'm sorry. She I, was on Seventh Heaven. She um, was on a, a few shows. She's called the Voice. Like that's her nickname because of her range and her vocal ability. She like sang at the Indie Five, like uh, multiple Indie Five Hundreds, um, and other sporting events. She's like super, like she's still really famous. I think she just stopped going on tour two years ago. Um, yeah, don't ask me. <laughs> I, mean, I saw an article like dated 2015 about how she's done touring. Oh, I see. But like she's been huge from the early 90s onwards. And so it was like a big deal. Actually, like she go, she went through a phase where she was out of the business due to her extramarital affair. And then like, Going on Seventh Heaven was a part of her uh, comeback tour. Like, I'm coming back now. And boy, are we happy that it happened. Apparently, it was huge because we watched the promo for this episode. And, like... They make it seem like she's the star of the... She's billed, like... You know how Lance Bass was billed (laughs) in his episode? Sandy Patty was billed for this. And, I mean, like, neither Aaron nor I have ever heard of her. Now we have, though. But now I'll never forget her. Never forget her. Um, and that's the end of the episode. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm giving it a five. I'm giving this a 6.5. Whoa. Oh, my God. I, I mean, like, I had... I'm still... I See, I'm holding up because I know what's to come. Well, this is why I didn't give it a seven, because you. I know that there's something coming up that's, like, going to be up there. But, like, honestly... What I didn't not like anything about this episode. Everything was I mean <laughs> you got that, a little angry when they didn't really handle appropriation correctly. Yeah, but like uh, John's storyline just was kind of thro- like wasted. But I think the rest of it, even the like it you made me emote. It moved me. Sometimes it like made me cringe, but like yeah. I don't know. I it was entertaining. There was entertainment value to this. I was like the most vocal in this episode. Good job. I understand now why I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> it took, took us a bit, <laughs> a bit of a slog. This is a really good season. Are. This is a really good season, guys. <laughs> oh, you wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there are some great pictures from this newspaper article that might be up on our social media. They will be. Um, In and- one way or another. And maybe Sandy Patty will be up there. Perhaps. Who knows? Um, but you can catch us on Twitter, on Instagram, that's CamdenCast Show, and on Facebook, that's Facebook.com slash CamdenCast. And you can listen at SoundCloud.com backslash CamdenCast or on the Apple iTunes podcast app. So I'm Erin. And I'm Tanvi, and this was CamdenCast. I know there's no greater feeling than the love of